Good afternoon, everyone. You're welcome once again to the Sports and Show here on Scarab Bay Community Radio on 88.3 FM and 92.7 FM in association with the College Union. And in this Easter Saturday, we're going to be talking athletics, camogie, and hurling. And we're going to be joined in studio by our, one of our guests, uh, World uh, Indoor Masters Athletic Championship W35 with Rachel Akers. Claire Minor, Camogie Manager, Ella Walsh also gives us a, a line or two regarding the <coughs> participation of Claire in the All Ireland and their progress in the All Ireland Minor A Shield. And finally, we're going to be joined by our Clickini uh, correspondent, Adrian Ronan, who's going to talk a bit about the league final tomorrow between Clickini and Limerick from Parky Cueve. And now we're delighted to be joined in studio by recently crowned World Indoor Master Athletic Champion, a lovely title in the 30, over 35 weight and hammer. It's Rachel Akers uh, from Wadike. Rachel, you're welcome once again to Scarif Bay Community Radio. Thanks for having me, Leo. That sounds good. World Indoor Masters Champion. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> it does, yeah. We, are, um, we know that you, you, you were very serious in athletics many, many years ago. Where, and You might tell us about some of your achievements uh, pre-10 years ago as we'd say oh pre-10 years ago I suppose I started um, as a follow-on from my brothers and sisters who were doing it ahead of me so my older sister Claire and my brother Aaron um, were all involved in athletics thanks to Scarf Community College um, the late John Walsh would have got things going there and John S himself was a big supporter of uh, athletics in the school so um, <coughs> I would have started at about 9 or 10 throwing a discus back to my sister um, and then by the time I was 12, I was uh, in my own right, I suppose, competing um, with discus and shot put, javelin, and I had started into the hammer. It was just a new event at that stage um, for the, I suppose, two, three years uh, for young athletes. So, yeah, we were involved, um, I suppose, originally it was East Clare Athletic Club, which uh, died a death with the small population, I suppose, it went out. It was great at a time, and then we joined Marion Athletic Club, and uh, I was with them up until, um, I suppose, I stopped. And I'm most recently now with NS Track. But, yeah, I would have been involved in schools athletics and club athletics um, for years, and we spent many weekends on the road with Brian Acres, um, as did actually an awful lot of students um, from Scarif. I suppose my entire... Um, student years in Scarf, there was still a lot of students involved and Dad would have trucked them all into the Peugeot at the time and landed them down to Waterford and Cork and we stayed in hostels and we competed at Munsters and All-Irelands and uh, Claire Madden and Peter Doyle and Kevin O'Donnell and the whole lot of them were all involved um, when, when we were, I suppose, up to 16, 17. They were still coming off to competitions, but I would have been better at the discus and the hammer um, I would have competed at shot and javelin too but um, I would have won school level um, all Ireland's and schools internationals and qualified for the world championships yeah. under 18 and 20 yeah Leo I'm just coming there sooner than I intended to because mm-hmm. I, I know I don't know much about Rachel's history apart from reading the champion off and on over the years but what you've said there as a teacher yourself even it occurs to me how important it is to have personnel in, in a school to yes. encourage any particular sport and you, you give great credit to John, late John Walsh and John S. Kelly mm-hmm. of course your dad obviously was an absolute master coach etc but you know there's lots of schools in Clare this minute and around the country where there isn't an awful lot happening or promotion of track and field athletics there maybe a particular field events and what you've said just got to show how important that is in starting people off I think the curriculum with the Department of Education has changed a lot over the last couple of years 
I know myself, I've been restricted in what I've been able to do. I'm not a PE teacher, I'm a German teacher, and trying to get access to kids in PE has been virtually impossible um, because they have a curriculum to follow. And this week it's table tennis and next week it's basketball. And in April it is athletics. And in April, the competitions have already started. So it's um, it's difficult. It's difficult. But as you say, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we were pulled out of class mm-hmm. and you were given 40 minutes and was, your hand was up begging to be pulled out of class to do a bit of training outside where everyone was kind of gawking out the window and watching. But I suppose times have changed. But what we're, what I've noticed um, with even a big school with three and four PE teachers is that if those PE teachers have an interest in swimming and camogie and football and hurling, um, that's it. Do, that's yeah. what's done in the school. Yeah. And if those teachers don't have an interest in athletics, um, it's very hard to get kids to stay back after school when they don't know what it is or why that they'd be coming training two or three days a week. And then it's very hard to gain that interest. And the kids that would be good often play other sports as well. They're good handballers, they're good footballers or rugby players and you're trying to drag them over to another sport. That um, So it's it's very hard uh, and I there's very few teachers in secondary schools that have that real grow for um, track and field. And yeah. yeah, it's only then down to the local clubs and what they're doing. So you see the successful kids are all part of an athletic club in their town or nearby. Yeah. And that's where... I suppose in East Clare we're lacking that. There's some great runners and Tulla have done a bit with the running and stuff in Killaloo, but there's no club between here and (laughs) Templemore that have throwers that are throwing. Like even Ennis Track, it's a track. Look at the, you know, it's a great great club, but it's Ennis Track. And yes, we've infiltrated and we've done a bit of throwing in it, but they're pushing and they're trying, but it's, it's renowned, it's famous for being a track club. So you have to go to Temple Moor now, an hour up the road, to really see a group of throwers in every discipline, shot put, javelin, hammer thing. There are very few clubs in, you know, uh, 70, 80 mile radius that have a lot of throwers. Go down to Cork and Kerry, they'll have throwers. Go up to Dublin in different areas, they'll have throwers. But um, in the Clare, Limerick region, there's a a very small handful of throwers, throwers. And it tends to be very individual. So do you have to go into Templemore then, obviously for sessions of that, to get any bit of competitiveness, I suppose, to say... Lee's to, Road, yeah. the cage is on the ground and the County Council have done nothing about it in 10 years and we go in for the Open Championships and everything else and we try and strap it up together and it is an absolute health and safety hazard, I'm afraid to say. Um, so for the last three years or two and a half years when we started back, every single week to throw outfield we had to drive up to Templemore and luckily John Dwyer took us in up in Templemore and he's almost made us part of the family up there he counts us in everything that he does and it's been fantastic because it is the only place we were able to throw out of a cage for distance that was until I begged my brother Raymond could I have uh, a patch around the 50 odd meter mark to land balls in and uh, I suppose in February we decided to build a square pad at home and um throw into his field when the cows aren't there. <laughs> so that's what we've been doing. That was the preparation for the Worlds. Basic. Um, yes, I, I went begging to Raymond and he said, uh, as long as I gave him a mention. I'm only joking, I'm only joking. Rachel, you were very successful at underage and up along and then obviously uh, life took its took its course, mm. you got married. What threw you back? 
I know um, it's a drug and I don't think it ever goes away, does it? No, there was always a little, uh, I suppose, itch and a little bit of, um, oh, I suppose, wonder uh, as to whether I could get back. I, I, sp- I stopped, I suppose, because I tore the tendon in my left shoulder and the left side is what you do everything on. Um, and I had rehabbed it and got injections in it and different things and... I had tried to throw again after that and it was just quite sore. So I suppose getting married and having kids was a great excuse to give it a break. And um, sometimes actually you come back a little bit better when you give things a break because you come back for wanting it yourself rather than wanting it because you were doing it and um, you didn't know any different. So I think when you come back after a break like that, um, there's the pressure is from yourself because you've decided you want to do it. Now, I was very lucky. I have a very supportive husband and three kids that get dragged around to Templemore in every competition around the country. Um, And Cullen, bless him, uh, ended up with, if you can't beat her, join her attitude. So I've roped him in and Ennistrack have adopted him as well. And he does the 56 pound weight for distance. Had he done athletics before? Never, never, never touched it. I barely knew what it was. So um, he's had great success with the 56 pound for distance and uh, was part of the... All-Ireland winning league team with his results in that last summer and he's won silver medals at Masters level as well in the All-Irelands um, for an absolute rookie he's doing brilliant it's so be- better, better late than never anyway. it is, it no is but his support obviously dad has been an absolute constant um, mum has done a lot of babysitting uh, my brother Aaron is uh, an Amatsu therapist he, he's like a physical therapist in forms of osteopath and he literally has kept me straight and narrow for the last six months because I didn't realise the physical toll it would have on the body um, and just you'd be kicked out of line every other week. There'd be a niggle or a pull or your neck or your leg or your knee and um, without himself and uh, a therapist called Rainer in Tulla, I don't know would I be lined up and still straight to have been able to compete. So between the two of them, they've they kept me on the straight and narrow and I think that was actually the hardest bit because... The brain says you can do it and then the body at times is screaming at you to say, hold on a second, what a, where is this, you know, six days a week coming from? And we had to try and get stronger. I had maxed out the summer before. Um, I had kind of got up to 50 metres and I was flat to the mat at 50 metres and you say, how are you going to get past 50 metres? And um, I decided, well, myself and dad decided we had to do a bit of strength and conditioning. So a bit of weights had to be done and a bit more plyometrics and core. And that does, like, when you add that into throwing, that, that does take its toll on the body, I suppose. Like but, we, um, as you say, obviously you have to do all that on the side, but at the end of the day, technique. Yeah. No, that's it. I know anything about it, but obviously people have their own, yeah. you know, their own routine for, for, for throwing. Has that changed from when you were in your younger days? It's all cameras. <clears throat> yeah, Dad has an app on his phone, technique. It's called technique, the irony of it. And you can slow it right down to slow-mo, one speed, two speed, half speed, and you can really see, um, I suppose we'd have things that you'd be looking for in hammer throwing. It's, you know, being all on your left and catching and keeping over on your left. Everything is about being on your left-hand side. And it's funny because at times somebody can say to you, oh, you're in the middle. Um, and if you couldn't feel it yourself, you'd be kind of maybe questioning, were you in the middle? Whereas when you're shown it on a video after the end of a throw, and he's saying, watch where your head is, you can see it. And we never had that video analysis years ago. You know, we barely had mobile phones when I was 15, 16. So dad's sitting there with his smartphone now going, do you want to see that throw? Uh, And being able to analyse it and go, I thought I was there, and then realise you were nowhere near it, has been a huge help. 
and ask, I'm going to ask a stupid question. You'd always know, I, probably, I presume, when you do a throw, or when yeah. you'd, know, you'd probably know where you went wrong straight away, would you? Um, you'd have an idea as to what you'd have done, and then I suppose the camera would, I, I would, pour, new, new throwers, I suppose, Cullum, for example, uh, because he's only thrown two years, he doesn't know, he doesn't have that feeling. I do. I'm yeah. I'm too long in the tooth at this stage to, I suppose, not know, which is good because there would actually be other throwers that have thrown for 20 years and you see them looking at their coaches and they actually haven't got a feel for it. They don't know what it is that was wrong. They just go flat out and if it hits, it hits and if it doesn't, whereas I could be halfway through a throw and know that I haven't let the ball out to my left far enough and I've pulled it mm. in tight and you pull it in tight, it changes the whole dynamic. You still do your four turns and you still let it go. But I, I'd be yeah. saying no the minute it leaves my yeah. hand. I'd know I'd have done it wrong the minute it left my hand in that sense. And so, just how many when you're throwing practice with the hammer? Yes. How many throws is about right for in a session, or how many is too many? How many is too few? In other words, is it a time to stop and say I can't stay throwing all, all night? Yes, yeah, no, so and the, how do you decide that? I think as a youngster we just threw and threw and threw, whereas yeah, now we're a little bit more, um, you know, we're a little bit more we. We throw in threes, so I'd have three hammers. When we're throwing for distance, we'd throw out and go out and get the three and bring them back. So we'd probably do 21. I, for, I forgot that part, actually. It has to be done as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 you get your steps yeah. in, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Cool, yeah. um, so we probably do about 21 throws in a session, um, maybe 24. If you're, if you're just doing hammer, probably 24. If you're doing a bit of the weight throw as well, you might do 18 and then do another 10 maybe of the weight throw. Um, and then we do weights maybe twice a week as well and, and just basic plyometrics and exercises with it but um we dad has a full setup for years he has nets and we throw yeah. into the nets and you can do an awful lot in an hour in the nets yeah. you know because you can bang off 30 throws there yeah. it's walk five paces and grab your hammer and it's go again whereas but mm. that's fine for winter training when you're looking for i suppose a technique but when you're trying to throw for distance and this was getting ready for the world's we were forced into the issue of we'd been driving since October to Templemore and it was like, what are we going to do? And that was the asking Raymond White, can I can I have that bit outside my house and throw? Isn't that funny after all the travelling that you go back into your own backyard yeah. and, 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 yeah. and it proved better than and anything? And that's what we would have done. Dad, originally, the absolute original back in 97 when yeah, Claire, yeah, I mean, Claire yeah. home, we had a circle that we yeah. used to throw down and move the horses. That's now a lovely lawn, so mum didn't want it. Yeah, he showed, no, he showed it. He showed it. He showed it. He showed it to me for. So I yeah, know exactly. I know yeah, exactly where you yeah. where you were where you were doing it. Obviously, when you decided to go back, obviously to compete at world championships, knowing you and the competitive spirit, it was going to be all or nothing. Yes. Um, so I I knew I suppose on the base. Well, you you don't you never know because you never know who's going to rock up. And I suppose the girls that had been competing over thirty fives for the last two or three years didn't know that I was going to rock up this year. Um, so there was a girl from Luxembourg who had been winning at kind of 48 metres for the last two years. And there was a, another girl from Denmark who had just moved up into the next age category. And she had been top dog at kind of 50 metres. So I knew I knew the names. 50 I had, and 50 is what you were Yeah, for. so I had finished up, I suppose, um, the summer before, or last summer, I finished up at 50. And... That was then the, right, what are we doing? 50 is a dangerous number because there's plenty of people that can get to the 50. So it was the same when I was under 17. Myself and dad had the exact same conversation. We got to the 48, which was three metres past the record. And dad said to me, what do we do if someone else throws 48? 
So we kept pushing and kept pushing to get to 50. And that summer, someone else threw 48, um, a Scottish girl, Frances Miller. So we've learned at under 17, under 18 and 38. Now you're back at the same trick going, what if somebody else rocks in new? Um, we knew by the end of January what the entries were and everybody had put in their season's best. So you presume that they lowball and they're going to come out and have done a bit of practice. Um, so I suppose we just tried to get as clear as we could. So if you had asked me last October what I was going to throw, if you had said 53, I would have probably smirked at you and said that would be the dream. And we actually decided to make our family holiday in February um, a five-day training camp in Portugal. That's the way, that's <laughs> the way they do it. That's, it. that's the only way. So there's um, a place that's renowned. The Irish team goes out quite a bit. And um, we booked an apartment and we trained twice a day for five hours every day. And all of a sudden, I hit this 53 metres. And I hit it every single day for the five days. And I myself was surprised because I didn't know if I had it in the tank. So that was in February. And then all of a sudden in March, I was up to 54. And then all of a sudden I was up to 55 regularly in training. And we thought, right. So when you're doing it regularly in training, you know that on a all right day or not so good day, you were going to do in 53. A tour, in a championship, yeah. yeah. So it sounds terrible to say that I wasn't happy with my 53. Um, I had done a training session on the Tuesday. My competition was on Thursday and I'd hit a couple of 55s and 54s. Um, but I think I went chasing it in the competition. I went chasing the distance, knowing on my first throw I threw a 53 and I was miles ahead. I knew I had it one. And you know that you know you're the thing. I knew I had it one. So it was only a challenge for myself to try and throw as far as I could. And I was on such a high from the Monday because the weight throw is a new event. There's no expectations. I've slowly creeped from 11 to 14 to 15. In training, I'd actually never hit higher than a 1580. In what training, weight, what weight is nine the... kilos. So by the time you do three turns and you let it go, it's blooming heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it's heavy. Yeah. But uh, I'd never actually hit the 16, but we knew you could. So we travelled on the Friday and by the time Monday rolled round, we'd had two and a half days rest and I'd rarely take two and a half days rest. And uh, by my third throw, I'd hit this magical 16. And that was like, that was oh, the was 1601. 1609. 09, sorry, 09. Yeah. But if I had come last and threw 1609, it would have been magical because right. that was like hitting the best thing you could have ever hit. Um, whereas the, the 53 was good and you're happy. And as I have to remind myself two months before, if I thought I'd hit 53 in the world, I would have been on top of the world. So it was just that I kind of knew from the Tuesday session I had a little bit more in the tank, but... Um, I'll have to get that in another competition. <laughs> and speak of another competition, where does, and look at many congratulations on two, two world masters medals, mm -hmm. un okay. unbelievable achievement. Where does, where's next? As you said, next competition. What's next I know, on, the, so on the radar? So now I, I come back to reality and it starts back at kind of regional um, the first Throws Fest kicks off the end of April in Templemore. And you, you might explain, the season is funny because your yes. season, even though you're a world champion, your, your season is really starting now. So for yeah. an outdoor season, which is a hammer thrower, so we don't have, hammer throwers don't have an indoor season. We have only outdoor season. Shot putters have indoor seasons mm -hmm. and all the runners and everything. So they compete from September to February normally in indoors. Um, so an outdoor season starts around the end of April and it goes to the middle of August, maybe September, depending on what competitions you're in. Um, so that was what was particularly difficult. We started in August trying to peak in March 
which is kind of unheard of for hammer throwing, trying to yeah. hit your best distances at that stage. Um, so we did a six month program and kind of turned it on its head to make sure we could get distances in March, which is the end of the indoor season and not even the beginning of the outdoor season. But it worked. The, the plan worked. And who put, my, who put the plan into place? Obviously, you would have a fair idea yourself. And obviously, your father so experienced now at the coach. And we, it, won't say how long, we won't say how long he's at it. And you said, obviously, of course, you mentioned John O'Dwyer on and Tim Moore yeah. as well. Was it a collective? No, it would, have been, it would have been dad and myself. And I suppose I spent two full years in Germany um, when I was in my 20s. So in third year of college and then after college, I would have gone back and I would have trained with Betty Heidler, who was world number right, one yeah. at the time. And I would have trained with Catherine Class and them. And their their coach and would house, have put house, a lot of things. Household names. Right. Yeah, but they would have been, you know, top class. So I learned a lot as a 20-something year old and I suppose I found myself constantly saying to dad and we'd have the constant conversations of when you were in Germany, what were you doing this? When we were in Germany or when I was in Hungary, what were you doing? And we drew on an awful lot of, I suppose, the training that what I would have done 20 years ago. Well, I suppose 15 years ago. Um, and that played a role. And you knew what the training needed to be. We were just doing it at a different time of year, I suppose, which is a bit tricky when it's lashing rain. <laughs> Um, yeah. And the week before the Worlds, that was kind of like you say, how how do you end up successful? The week before we travelled to Poland, um, the weather for the entire week in the evenings was absolutely horrific. It lashed and lashed and lashed. And my competitions in Poland were in the evening, so it suited me to train in the evenings. But we couldn't. So for the entire week before we went to Poland, Dad was at my house at five past six in the morning. We trained outside for an hour before the kids woke up and then in into the shower and out the door by quarter to eight which are hour and ten training done because I couldn't train in the evenings because there was no point in the absolute flog and rain of trying to do it but I it brought me back because as a teenager I trained every morning at six o'clock yeah. that was when we trained I actually also trained at five o'clock <laughs> we trained twice a day as a young one um when we were doing it but it brought me back to that but it was also dad going right I'll be there at six and he was on the doorstep at six o'clock oh, I, no, I have no doubt standing there and we got it done and you were smiling in the evenings because it was lashing rain for that last week and it was a bit I suppose, off-putting because we were preparing for this quarter to three competition in the day and I'd been training around the four or five o'clock, which was more realistic to that. But yeah, we just had to adapt because you couldn't not train, you know. Um, mm. but now, as we said, get back to next tournament. I obviously look at you, you're world champion. You're not going to be going anywhere, giving it up anywhere soon. No, so, so there's we, we plen kick plenty off of years in this career now at this stage yeah, left. We kick off the end of April. There's um, John Dwyer's holding a throws fest up in Templemore. And then I suppose there's Munster Championships and Leinster Championships and it moves on by August, the middle, second week in August, we would have All-Ireland Championships and League Finals and stuff. So it's a, a very normal year ahead. Um, there is the European Outdoors in Italy, the end of September, but I think... Italy wouldn't be renowned for being very well organised. <laughs> and the outdoors are spread over three locations that are eight to ten kilometres apart. It's in three different stadiums. I think we were very spoilt with Poland because it was all literally in the one place. You had a five minute walk from one place to the other place to from the indoor arena up to the throws area. So we were a little bit spoilt. And when we were looking um, at Pescara for Italy, um, I think both Dad and I kind of gave the nod and said, I think we might leave it. it so is. Poland again next March would be Europeans. Um, I think if I was going to do that, I might do four events. I might throw in. The discus was won in 
Poland at 34 metres. And I was going to ask you that before you finished. I was going to throw that in as a last question. I can throw 35. So I didn't think I'd be there for the competition then I was and I was actually kind of sickened because it could have been a third goal. I was, going to, throw, I was going to throw in the shot put in the discus yeah. you know that scene w- w- would you take I it up again? I think for the Europeans I would. Very important thing you mentioned obviously Thierry mentioned the discus and you know what you can throw already <laughs> it's brilliant to hear that but you mentioned a very important thing off air that people might be aware of and that is that at this uh, stage of competition you're in uh, it's all out of your own pocket all those trips and that yes. is obviously an extra challenge. It's it's tough. So as a masters, as a as a juvenile athlete, uh, Athletics Ireland are extremely encouraging. You get brought on your internationals if you qualify for the worlds. Everything is covered. Everything is paid for your flights and your accommodation. And you're part of the Irish team, and that is funded. Um, there's even there's even funding for elite athletes. I would have got funding as an elite elite athlete, but the minute you're not senior, um, the hand is dropped and that's it. You're on your own. So it doesn't matter that. You know, the Irish team, 144 of us went out, 75 medals were brought home. There isn't a penny from Athletics Ireland. There isn't a penny from anybody. Local clubs don't really have it to give. So Poland was completely funded by myself, bit by bit. And even all the throw sessions and training sessions up to Temple Moor and driving up and down when we when we had nowhere to throw and up to John, it's all self-funded. And that's, I suppose, the sacrifice that it is. Yes, you do it for the love of sport mm. and you do it for everything else, but it, like I suppose some sports, it's an expensive habit the maybe. is total though, isn't it? It is, yeah. Totally. You're, you're all in yeah. and um, and it is pricey. And you and like, Dad's not paid for his time. You know, he does it because he loves me, I'm sure. But um, he also does it for any other athlete that asks him, which is, you know, the sacrifice that he does. Dad has always coached. And as he said to me, I, I never forget a girl coming up from Cork and I horrified. And I said to him, why are you coaching her? And he said, well, if she can beat you, well and good to her. So you need to do enough that she can't. And I couldn't comprehend why he was coaching my rival, you know, as a 15 year old. But that's just always been his nature. He'll he'll coach anybody from anywhere. And uh, it's for just the love of coaching, I suppose. And you know, it's something that's not known by many people around the place, how good a coach he is and all the coaching he does and has been doing throughout the years. It's so funny because the, the... the coaches from Dublin and Cork and everyone always ask him about, you know, and have you many, have you many local athletes? And dad just smiles because all his athletes are Kerry, Templemore, you know, Belfast. They come and they move in from Belfast and everything, as you say. There's, a program, there's a program with that itself. Rachel, as you look at this, Pat brought up the point and you said there's no financing. Surely sponsorship is going to have to play a part at some stage or, you know, you're probably going to have to get a sponsor, are you? I, I, I think I'll, I'll have to go cap in hand at some stage because I would love to do the world outdoors. So I did the world indoors, but the world outdoors would be because of its time of year in September, it would be a lot more competitive. And I would love that competitiveness of being pushed. But the next ones are in September 24 in Gothenburg and Gothenburg is no Poland. It is mm, the flights, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> accommodation, food, everything out there. And it's over a 10 day period. That in itself, um, it would be an awful pity not to do it because of funding, but it would literally mean, sorry, kids, that the family holiday is me going to Gothenburg on my own because we can't all afford to go type of thing. So, yeah, I think I think if I'm serious about Gothenburg, I'm going to have to um, see if anybody would I be interested. I think by your by your vision, your talk, I think you've your mind made up already. I'd love to do it. I'd, lo- I'd love to do Gothenburg. Well, the thing um, is, for any potential sponsors, I mean chances of really positive publicity from your achievements. Your yeah. potential yeah. achievements are very, very high at this stage yeah. because yes. you know yeah. where you are and your, your recent record proves it and you're 
past record proves it as well. So when it comes to competition, yeah. you, you give bang for your book. So hopefully, <laughs> yeah. hopefully there'll be well, I'd be, the, I'd be going with the same intentions, put it that way. Yeah. Mm. And if you go to the world, you said you're going, in my point, I was going to ask you about the shot put and the discus. Yes. Obviously, they don't ever, the graph for it never goes away. So you are going to have a, a cut of that again, I take it. I think I'd, um, at European level, I definitely would. I don't know, am I good enough at, at the world level with shot and discus? I would have... Mm, it was a low standard competition for discus this year, which surprised me. I didn't realise that I would have been in the mix for it because the older age groups, the women's 40 and 45s, were won at a much higher distance. Um, but yeah, I reckon if I did a bit of training, I'd be in for a shot. And it mightn't be a gold in those events, but it would be a medal, hopefully. Going back to your own competition at the, at the over 35s at the moment, obviously you have a couple more years left in that, right? Obviously you're keeping an eye to yes. the potential opponents coming through yes. from the tort, whatever the thirty to thirty five. Is there someone that is out there that is on your radar that no, this lady has to be met? I haven't spotted them yet. <laughs> I haven't spotted them yet. No, you see, in the thirty five category people are just coming back like myself, depending on their stage in life, if they've had kids or they've got married. Um, and it's funny, it's some of the older categories that seem to be a little bit more competitive because people are maybe done with having kids and have come yeah. back to into sport for themselves. So actually the women's 45 category um, and 50s are extremely competitive and there now I'm still in the mix I'm still I, I'd be I'd be watching the girls ahead of me if I was moving into their categories and uh, yeah. I, I reckon I'd still take them <laughs> but I don't know this looks like a, a, a second, <laughs> a second, a second <laughs> career of coming this looks like there's a, a, a long long way to go my own daughter Grace said to me so now what you're world number one now what and I was like yeah, that's kind of a hard one to do do you should just try and maintain it or when you go straight for the tough one I don't know <laughs> no, you said but, you got your husband Cullum involved yes. And he look at he's been successful as well. Yeah. Okay. The younger people, the younger, the younger kids. I'd 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 love to. Um. I'm. I probably shouldn't say it on air, but there's hopefully a job opportunity closer to home coming up. Um. That I'm really interested in in Scarf, and I would only love to get going. And and Dad has always said it. And with the new track and field, hopefully and um, facilities seat, yeah. in Scarf. There's a lot of hidden potential need, in All I need is a net. Right? All I need is a net, and we'd Absolutely. get things going. Yeah, I'd love to get. You can always bring it to Brian Acres net, you know. There, you, there you go. There you go. But I, I'd love to get things going in Scarf because. We've such a catchment. We were amazing twenty five years ago. We had yeah. some amount of athletes. Um, I'm my I'm terrible with names, but like there was so many gold medals out of Scarf Community College at all Ireland level, not just North Munster and Munster, all Ireland level. We brought home hundreds of medals over a, a span of fifteen years and there really is in Scarf there's some amount of talent. Um so yeah. Hopefully that talent is going to be unearthed <laughs> again then there's no doubt if you have your if you have your way there's no doubt it will be unearthed. Rachel, thanks for coming in and talk to us. Thank you. And congratulations again. And look now we're going looking at your new career <laughs> with even more interest. And every time I see you passing, I'd be, I say she's coming from training. Yeah. Rachel Akers is going to be in the Thank Thanks, you. Rachel. Thank you. You're listening to Sportsline on Scarpe Community Radio, 88.3 and 92.7 in East Clare, around the world on scarpebayradio.com and on the TuneIn Radio app. Sportsline is sponsored by Derg Credit Union. And once again, thanks to Rachel Akers for taking the time to talk to us. Now we move from athletics uh, to, to Camogie, and we're delighted to be joined on a lady who's very good to us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. It's the Clare Minor uh, Camogie Manager, Eleanor Walsh. Eleanor, you're welcome once again. Thank you very much. 
And Eleanor, of course, uh, who is in the middle of uh, real hard training and the championship is real, All Ireland Championship is in the middle of his busy season. One question, uh, Eleanor, that I have to ask you, and it beggars my belief here, going by the performances that Clare had last year, especially in the Munster semi final and the Munster final, even though the, the score flattered Cork uh, to deceive in the end. Why are Clare Camogies playing a minor A shield rather than the Premier A competition? Eleanor? Maybe could you explain that? Well, unfortunately, Leo, I can't throw an awful lot of light on it, to be honest with you. Um, perhaps it was looking at probably under 16 results two years ago, which you know probably weren't um, great. But it seems a bit unusual to me at the same time um, that... And we were certainly surprised by being put in uh, Shield, which is a new competition um, for Camogie. Um, yeah, given that we, you know, had such a run in the Monster Championship and in the two um, All Ireland games that we played last year, we had were very competitive against Kilkenny. I think it was fifteen points to ten was the score. And while we didn't beat Waterford in the All Ireland Championship, we beat them subsequently. So, and, you know, of course, under Kogi minor is under 18s and the under 17s as well. So it, it was a, a bit of a mystery to us as well. But given, uh, given that, I suppose you just play who's ahead of you and, uh, and on we, we've, got, we've got on with it. And Elnard, and to be fair, the Camogie, Clare Minor Camogie team are going very, very well, unbeaten in their uh, championship matches to date and every match competitive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, from from the word go, I suppose, you know, um, we played Antrim. And uh, as we remember from last summer, Antrim were a very difficult um, team to beat. And I remember from my own Camogie days, you know, any of the northern teams, they were, they're, you know, they're, they're, they had true grit and determination and uh, were always difficult to beat. So we were delighted to get off to a good start there um, in Abbottstown. And I suppose we played on the most beautiful of pitches. We played on the main pitch there in Abbottstown and the, the quality of the grass for that 12th of March was unbelievable and it probably suited us. Um, we, I've got some very nice tidy hurlers um, on the, the, the panel this year and uh, um, you know, we got off to a winning start which was great. And then to take it on then, who would you play after that subsequently Elnor? I know you, you defeated Wexford a- down in Wexford last Sunday you beat me so it's yeah. 3 out of 3 so far. It is well. We drew with Offaly, which right. which possibly was a bit of a blip because Offaly had actually lost their previous two games. But I believe they had some players back, and they also look came fighting for their lives. And uh, in some ways, it was one of those matches that we were unlucky to draw, but we were lucky to draw. Um, we had gone ahead by a point and gone down into the final um, minutes, but it ended ended a draw. And in a way, I kind of feel you know. Well, it would have been good to have had the win and we would have known then that we would top the group and we're, we're coming into the last round um, the, the weekend after next. Um, but it was no harm to have to dig deep in, in a match and steady the nerve. And, you know, we did that yesterday um, or was it? last Sunday then um, playing Wexford again we had gone two behind and we shot six points in a row and I think you know the the grit and determination shown in the Offaly game really came to the fore again uh, against Wexford I'd prefer if we didn't do that generally but you know that's the way the matches go and great character from the girls actually and to win away in Wexford after the travel down and that it was um, really proud of the girls it was a great win
And Eleanor, in terms of your squad, um, you know, do the girls come from the, the tried and trusted, maybe good senior intermediate clubs that we're used to lately, or are the more emerging clubs or the younger, the, the younger clubs in Clare producing any players at this stage at, for county squads? Is there a spread? Oh, well, now... Uh, there is there is a good spread. Um, you know, look, there are names, plenty of names there that you'll recognise. Um, but uh, like just thinking, um, Maeve Millay is a corner forward for us um, from Partin Milik. Yeah, I was thinking about those, those, club. those clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and Maeve um, um, has scored. She scored four points, I would think, um, last last um, Sunday um, in the game against Mead. Um, she's scored, I'm going to say she scored 2-1. Do you know, she's a, a very tidy corner forward, of course, coming from Napier Shig Stock um, with yeah. her father, Tom Malay, who's on the, the management team with me. Um, and so, yeah, look, we're delighted. We've got a great spread of clubs involved. Um, do you know Fika Kilanena, um, Sophie Conway, a name, you know, that name too is no surprise in the Camogie circles of East Clare. Um, plenty from Scarfagonlo, of course, and um, Druk as well. But look, Newmarket, Ina, Kilmaley, Ruan, um, the banner, Clare Castle, I could keep going, the bridge, Clooney Quinn, Aerog, you know, Tala, there's the great, great yeah. spread of, of clubs involved. Yeah, yeah. And Eleanor, obviously, you know, you're unbeaten so far. What does the rest of the championship hold um, for in terms of games? Just one more round game left, and um, we're in um, for top of the top of the group, and um, Limerick are third, and so we're playing Limerick. Limerick is the last game um, that we have to play. A win sees us top of the group, and playing for whoever comes fourth. Then, and a a loss or a draw probably sees us come second or third. But in any case, second will play third, and. Um, and that could be ourselves in Limerick, to be honest, uh, depending on results. With Antrim, then Antrim probably have the, um, the they're playing Meath this week, the weekend after next, the 15th, 16th, and um, probably would be putting my money on Antrim there. So you're looking at so Clare, Limerick, Antrim, and who would you say is going to be the four team to come out in? And it, you know what? The last three teams actually, it's great. In the last round coming up, there's a lot for each of them to play for. I, if I, if you were asking me to nail your, my colours to the mask, I probably would say Wexford. Um, but you know, Meads might actually, you know, pull it out of the bag as well. You wouldn't know. And then, you know, in hindsight, looking at the competition now, and as we question why Clare are playing the shield, do you think maybe it is a good thing, or could Clare have? Um, been very competitive at the higher level do you think I'm not sure um, Leo I look you always want to play the higher grade don't you and uh, and to get the experience of it and bring that experience then back into the, to the clubs and you know the club standard and that um, I'd have to say it's nice for the girls to be winning do you know it's been, it's been a hard old slog to you know be, be performing well and not getting it's a win so you know I think yeah I, I think maybe just for for, for this year and 
important um, to actually get a few wins and really to kind of see and test ourselves and test, you know, can we keep going for five games, six games, seven games that all the other clubs or the other counties at least who are coming out of round um, groups and into semi-finals and finals have to do. Um, but because we weren't qualifying for those, like our campaigns were short, they were yeah. three mm-hmm. games and two games of that. Yeah. So here we are now in a situation of having um, seven games, you know, all going well. And uh, again, you know, I think that will improve Claire Camogie mm-hmm. uh, along the line. Yeah, and of course, further on, then you have the Munster Championship to be coming up again where you got to the final last year. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the players will play later on with the, you know, having gained the experience of so many games at this level, Elna. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that too. The timing of it is is a bit tricky in that it's after the leaving start. So there's a, a really big gap be, um, between now and the Munster Championship. Um, the Leinster ran off their uh, their championship before the All-Ireland competition um, got, got underway. So kind of the last week in February, the first week in March there, we possibly could have done that. But then again, we had plenty of schools in, in Clare and in Munster involved in the post-primary schools competitions so that was the reason for not scheduling it then um, so it's um, in July and I I think I'll have some players gone on holidays and that's fine look we'll, re- we'll regroup in it I will look forward to playing um, the Watfords, the Tipperaries, the, the Corks and just again to see and challenge ourselves to see where are we with um, with teams like that yeah, indeed, you can, you can, you know, in your voice that with Redlist, you're looking forward to with Redlist, you know, the competitive <laughs> spirit is still there. Elnor, as always, good to talk to you here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. We we look forward with interest to the rest of Clare's participation in the minor, minor A Shield, which will hopefully come to a successful conclusion. And as always, we wish you the very best look. And thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us here once again on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Yeah. You're you're very welcome, um, Leo, and thanks to everybody. Um, again, thanks to you again for for supporting it. I really also want to say a big thank you. The minor team have uh, been fundraising. Each player has been fundraising recently, and uh, oh my goodness, we are just overwhelmed um, by the support that we've got from many businesses and families um, in Clare, and I suppose in particular for for me in the East Clare region. And I'd like to say um, thank you to anyone who supported us. And don't forget to come along to uh, game two if you if the if the timing suits yeah there's no doubt about that well, good good to hear it and thanks a minute once again Leonard. thanks for taking the time to talk to us thank you bye and once again thanks to Leonard Walsh for taking the time to talk to us and now we move from Camogie to the big game of the hurling weekend this the Alliance National Hurling League final with a repeat of last year's all Ireland final between Kilkenny and Limerick and we're delighted to be joined on the line by our Kilkenny representative from Man, very good to see you on Scarif Bay Queen's Radio. Adrian Ronan. Adrian, you're welcome once again. Afternoon, guys. How are you Adrian? doing? Adrian, it's a deja vu. It's Kilkenny and Limerick again uh, in, in the in the league final, the repeat, as we know, of the All-Ireland final last year. Um, obviously, Limerick flying it again. Kilkenny still uh, competitive as always, down missing a few players. How would you see this one panning out uh, tomorrow, Adrian? Well, I suppose... From our side of the defence in Kilkenny, um, we're still uh, confused uh, and possibly a little bit bewildered to be in a final. Um, we were probably in the easy group in the National League, uh, for sure. 
And then we played Cork in the semi-final, who had come with great hopes and great expectations of Nolan Park two weeks ago. And on the day, Cork didn't really raise a gallop. They were ordinary enough. Yes, they were short a few. And yes, we were short a few. And we won it rather comfortably in the end, even though the scoreline suggested that Cork made a late comeback. So, Kilkenny are confused. They've used up to 37 different players in the National League, which is very high for Kilkenny teams in the five matches. And we're not sure of a settled team. And we're down possibly... Possibly, we all know now you need 20 players to win a, win a game. Uh, and we're possibly down six or seven of that 20 for tomorrow uh, when you go down to the Kilkenny panel. Probably short six or seven. Uh, of that team, you know what I mean? Of the top, the 20 that you'd expect. So, yeah, when you're going to play Limerick, you'd like to be fully equipped with the best you have. Uh, and we may not have the best we have uh, available, but we will be putting up a huge effort. We will be trying to win it. And we will have a lad definitely trying to get on the Kilkenny 24 or 26 for sure. So it certainly will be a great test for us. And it will, we'll know, I could even Parky Keeve tomorrow, how far off we are, how, how far we've come on. Um, I expect it's the first one, but I think we might be far, how far off we might be. And and looking at the Kilkenny team minus the, the, the seven players, it's a big chance, you know, for the likes. I suppose we're looking at probably the lead of the shot that lights out in the league and was always going to be, you know, one of the stars that's not out of Kilkenny hurling for many, many long years in the future in, in Billy Drinnan. Is it putting extra pressure on him going into tomorrow's game, Adrian? Well, again, um, you know, they're, they're playing Wexford this evening. Um, he's not expected to play. Um, so, it's expected that he'll make some appearance with Kenny and there's been some doubts about his availability. Um, he's been very good, for sure, and uh, he's still a young chap. But I suppose the only best place to find out how good you've come on and how far you are down this, journey, down this road uh, is to play against the likes of Limerick. And so there's a train of thought in Kenny that, look, the only way you're going to learn... Uh, is to, by playing the best and by playing the best you'll learn every day you go out the fear that Kenny may have tomorrow in particular is going back on last year's All-Ireland and going back on how good we were how close we thought we were <coughs> going back on that All-Ireland TJ Reid won an amount of first primary ball from puck outs had a big influence on that All-Ireland played a major part in primary possession freeze and the likes so not too sure have we a TJ like S person that will be able to win these puck outs or command these ball in the air. So that could be the first thing. So I expect Kenny tomorrow to have some sort of a plan as we there's no point raining puck outs down on top of that Limerick half back line. So we're all going down with huge interest to know what will Kenny try and what have they learned from last year's all learned because we can't go back to repeating what we did last year, thinking we were so close and yet I'm sure Limerick are fed up at this stage saying, hey, maybe Kilkenny got too much credit for last year. They were seemed to be way better and yet we in Kilkenny thought we were close. So there's a big train of thought that hopefully Kilkenny will come with some plan tomorrow uh, that's different from the other last year and that might, you know, certainly it has to be a, a, a particular puck out strategy and if you go back on the league semi-final, tipped for an awful long time, had a very good puck out strategy uh, with Barry Hogan and the like. So hopefully Kilkenny will come with something because Playing Limerick, fifteen and fifteen, and repeating your uh, the same 
but I would say same plan won't work and hasn't worked for Kilkenny in the, in the last few matches yeah there's, there's no doubt that Owen Murphy is going to have a big a big part to play uh, uh, tomorrow with his puck out strategy do you think Kilkenny are comfortable Adrian playing this short ball not entirely comfortable they're trying to learn it but that's something you have to learn I think for a long long time we've been trying it for the last 12 months as Brian Cody's last year to be fair to him they tried it a lot in the league and then for some strange reason we went back to uh, a reduced strategy as regards short puck outs uh, we're not entirely comfortable we have a lot of good ball players for sure um, but again it's all about the closing down and what Limerick will bring and what Limerick will present will they allow us to give the short puck out and then so look um, we're not no we're not to answer your question we're not as comfortable as other teams we're uh, our evolution in this in this game type of game <coughs> we're way behind others but unless which they have been doing in the last few weeks I know training and they've been back in the field in the last three or four weeks so you'd see a notable change in Kilkenny in the last uh, two to three games they've evolved and got better against Waterford and against Cork and every day they've gone out their hurling has improved no no it's different from any team but this group with a new management a new team relatively new team and new management they've evolved and got better each day so yeah hopefully that will continue but we're not it's, an, it's a huge task as I said possibly without five or six yeah. of your 20 and Adrian you mentioned there a few minutes ago about the, the, the importance of TJ winning primary, primary possession being a target for puckouts he's so reliable and so good to win that, that, that ball and, and distributed you know Tomorrow's game is maybe less important for Kilkenny than maybe planning for the days when you won't have TJ and presumably it'd be more important from, from the followers' point of view as well that they can see that uh, whether there's a win or lose tomorrow that there's other options being looked at that may begin to work and that could work in the future. So that maybe tomorrow's game isn't as vital even though I know we know Kilkenny don't want to lose finals but preparing for the days when you don't have TJ and a couple of others like that. Yeah, the short-term game here... Um is obviously while TJ is still playing with Kilkenny and available um, we want to win we have a better chance of winning when he's around yeah. um, the long term view is yeah he can't be around forever I know different from any marquee player we all have him in every county your own lads yourself Tony Kelly and thankfully he's young enough still to uh, have a huge influence in Clare Hurling but TJ Reid owes nothing to Kilkenny Hurling hopefully there's another big year in him he's 35 plus uh, to big ask, but um, uh, we know ourselves if we are to be successful this year, TJ will have to have a big part to play in it uh, because without him, we're certainly not as good. And that's no disrespect to the rest of the Kilkenny players, but he can't influence matches like he has done the last three or four years in particular. He's influenced a huge amount of Kilkenny's victories, and um, that can't continue because obviously time is against them. So the short term here is to obviously see can we have a plan B without TJ and that will happen tomorrow again. And we've done really well with the matches so far as well without him. But um, again, as we've just uh, mentioned, it's a big ask without him and a number of other players. And another quick one, Adrian. Do you think the Kilkenny public are patient that, you know, with Derek Ling in the sense that what they've had, the success they've had the last 15, 16, 17 years, whatever it is with Cody and, and all of that, you know, obviously it was, a, it was a hard, an awful hard act to follow. But do you think that the public will remain patient with Derek Ling and give him a bit of time, even if the initial results in, in big matches like this mightn't go your way? They might go your way, but if they don't, do you think he will give, be given a bit of time uh, in, in people's minds? Ah, yeah, the Kilkenny public, hey, 
a long time since we won in All Ireland. So we've been we've been in the doldrums now for a while. Uh, twenty fifteen, sixteen is a long time ago. So I know we're in one in twenty nineteen and we were in one last year, but success you're judged on your wins. So we've been down a while now in a long time. So um people are uh, are the genuine person is realistic. Um uh but there is a lot of hope in Kenny does. There's a lot of hope uh with a lot of good young lads. We may not have that marquee just player like T J coming just yet. But we have a lot of good young lads, to be fair, that are putting their hand up. And the fact that we're in a league final is coming as a surprise. And maybe we're being a bit hard on the Kilkenny players over the last few years and weeks in particular. Because we can't keep saying, ah, Cork weren't great, Water weren't great. Mm. You know, sometimes we may just have to give a small bit of credit to the players and the management. And I think the Kilkenny public are um, trying to adopt that approach. But look, um, the main thing here tomorrow is to be close, it's not the end of the world whether you win or not the one thing here is we don't want a, a, a drubbing to happen mm-hmm. uh, um, so for the lack of, but for the, for the conference of the group, uh, a moral victory a, a very good performance will all be considered a step forward for Kikini. Adrian, a strange one, uh, Parky Cueve being declared the venue for the league final, it's a uh Whatever it goes on in the paddocks, it's the GA. It's an, unu- it's an unusual one where obviously every time going back years, a league final between Kilkenny and Limerick would, would have been in Turles. Yeah, it's very unusual. Um, it's very disappointing from a travelling point, for, from a travelling view from Kilkenny, the public. Uh, for some reason, we're not lovers of uh, Parky Keevan as a venue um, and travelling, and we all know about the traffic congestion, the traffic issues that probably will. will cause difficulty there so yeah it's a huge disappointment because we're so used to, as you said to, uh, to Turles That's, that was the obvious venue for Turles ideally it could have been and possibly again on a Saturday night or a Sunday again and we all know that television has a big part to play so obviously we uh, that came into consideration and then obviously Tipperary are playing football in Turles that day but how did GA couldn't come to some arrangement and um, maybe change the football match to Saturday and Allowed the hurling to come on uh, on Sunday, but yeah, it's a huge disappointment. Um, the players themselves won't mind. They're playing in an excellent venue, excellent facilities, excellent location. It's just the travelling public, and look, that'll damage, that'll lessen. I think it'll obviously reduce the Kilkenny crowd. Uh, whatever about the Limerick crowd, we'll bring a lot less, unfortunately, uh, to the venue uh, Easter weekend for us. For most people in Kilkenny, half an hour, forty minutes, an hour up the road two-hour journey and then a half an hour probably sitting in the car and more in, in Cork. Not something you want on Easter, on Easter Sunday unless you have loads of chocolate. So. <laughs> There's no doubt that these the, the strikes will be in the boot anyway. There's no doubt about, yeah. about that. As always, Adrian, thanks for taking the time to talk to us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Unfortunately, the clock has caught up on us at this stage. We will be getting your input uh, from you once again be, as the championship in, in, in the next couple of weeks is up and, 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 up and starting for us. As always, go to my God, Adrian. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. And once again, thanks to Adrian for taking the time to talk to us. And now we're joined by our uh, station manager here and also vice chairman of Scarab Hurling Club, uh, Jim Collins. Jim, this weekend, apart from all the activities on the field, there's a very important uh, social outing uh, on Sunday in certain in Kenny's in Kilinina. There is indeed, Leo, yeah. Um, the Owen O'Grady Road Run takes place uh, tomorrow, the 9th of April. And I suppose Owen, a young Scarif hurler who unfortunately met with an accident last summer, you know, which has, has left him 
challenged. Um, but, you know, the, his spirits are good and he has great backing, not just of his, his teammates in all in Scarif, but I think uh, hurling people and maybe not hurling people as well, right around East Clare and beyond. Uh, you know, absolutely great reaction to un the unfortunate events that befell him. And uh, people are, are, I think, are very, very anxious to support this. It and and a very worthwhile, as you know, a very worthwhile cause. And you know, own is never is never forgotten. And his you know recovery is going well. And this is just uh, you know to to help him out. And he is. He's in. Be, people be thinking of him. He's in the rehab centre in Dunleary at the moment. And by all accounts, you know, doing well, progressing, um, slowly at times, but at the same time, he's making progress. And we look forward to having him back. You know, by the time championship and everything happens here in East Clare. But I suppose getting back to tomorrow, registration is from half 11 and then the tractors will be leaving Canny's Bar at 12.30. And indeed, a well-worn track around Loch Rainey. And, um, the, and, and Pat will know that country very well. Yeah. Well, those events have been, uh, briefly have been held in the past by my uh, Kenny's have been fantastically attended. These tractor runs and trucks and everything else. And I'd say this could be the biggest yet. Martin is very hopeful it's going to be massive. And also, you've got a lot of support from not just East Clare, but South Galway as well, because we're <clears throat> you know, near the border there. So, And for Owen's sake, let's hope it's the biggest one yet and a great yes. success. You'll have DJ Tubbs from 5 o'clock. There'll be a chip van there and there'll be an auction and raffle on the night and... You know, Kenny's is always, as as Pat knows, is a lively spot. And the few times I can go there, I can afford to be in a jail. <laughs> and it's a 20 euro entry fee Great as spot. well. So please, please, uh, people from all over East Clare and beyond, uh, your support will be very, very welcome indeed for a very, very worthy cause. Yeah, and indeed, a very, a very popular young man, no doubt, Owner Grady. And we wish all the very best of luck with the tractor run in Kilinina uh, tomorrow. And that concludes our sports and so here today on Scarif Bay Community Radio on 88.3 FM and 92.7 FM in association with the Credit Union. Once again, thanks to my co-presenter, Pat McNamara. Thanks to our special guests, Rachel Akers, Eleanor Walsh and Adrian Ronan. Thanks also to Station Manager Jim Collin for running the controls for us. And thanks very much to you for, for tuning in here on Scarif Bay Community Radio today. We hope you enjoyed the show. And... From all of us here, we hope you enjoy the weekend. Uh, plenty Easter eggs around, no doubt. And I hope everybody will be safe and sound and healthy after the weekend. So all that remains is for me to dial. Until we meet again, it's Bannock Day, August Lawn.